Amen. And I'm grateful for the word this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. And I'm using this as a foundation to speak what God has led me this morning to speak. We're going to read verses 8 through 10, and then we're going to pray over the Word of God. How many loves the Word this morning? Amen. It's what brings faith. It's what cleanses us, the Bible says. I know we're sanctified by the Spirit, but whenever he said, uh, the Apostle Paul said to the church of Ephesus and Ephesians, he said that husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. Through the washing of the Word of God, amen, there's just something about the Word of God that we begin to read it and God begins to change us, amen? Same thing happens in prayer. <laughs> but uh, I'm grateful for what God is doing and I thank Him for His Word because it brings faith, it brings a cleansing, it brings instruction, it brings boundaries for our lives. You understand what I say when I say boundaries? Well, you know, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you got that word hid in your heart and the devil comes to bring temptation, you'll think twice about what you're going to get ready to do or be tempted to do. And uh, so I'm thankful for the word this morning. But Hebrews chapter 13, I want to get right into this. It says here in the word of God in the scriptures, Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He said, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Amen? Not with meats which have no profit uh, them that have been occupied therein. But he goes on to say in verse 10, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. He's basically saying here in the scripture, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, we're not under that ceremonial law anymore, but we are products of the grace of God. And he said, we have an altar. It's not an altar of Judaism, but it's an altar in Christ. Amen? It's an altar, a, a, a New Testament altar, an altar that is a work of the cross and the finished work of the cross so that we can approach God he did he not say that the veil was torn in two and we can go within that veil into the throne room? That's why you don't have to go through a man. You don't have to go through a preacher. I mean, I preach to you, but you come here and you meet God yourself. Amen? Everybody has to meet God themselves. And so, but he's saying here in the scripture, let your heart be established by grace. And, and know this, that you have an altar to begin to apply that grace or see it appropriated in your life. He's a God of the altar, and He's called us to be people of the altar. Amen? And I'm preaching this morning a grace called an altar. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the great privilege and honor to be here in Your house. And everybody that's here, Lord, is here in the will of God. You brought them here for a reason and a purpose. I pray, Lord, that You will just for the next 
uh, several minutes here, Lord. Give them an attention span that will take in the Scripture and the Word that you've given to me, Lord, that they won't grow tired or weary of it. Lord, the enemy, I bind the enemy that would try to cause distractions or diversions, but God, that you would bring each and every person into unity and mind and spirit. God, that there would be an outpouring of your Spirit and the touch of God and the truth of God will be received and experienced today in this house. I plead the blood over this congregation and I ask you for clarity in my mind. Bring to my mind and surface everything that you want me to speak and bring an anointing that makes preaching effective and will give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm preaching today a grace called an altar. Picking up from Thursday night's theme on grace, and I taught on grace, and if you didn't hear it, you can hear it on the podcast or Facebook or YouTube, or you might even get a snippet on Instagram, I don't know, but I know that we have several media sources, you can listen to it, and God began to speak on grace, and He's kind of had me at this theme of grace and this place, and so, you know, I said everything from God is a grace to us, especially this morning, the altar. You know, a lot of people don't realize it, but us having an altar here in this front aisle is a grace that a lot of churches have put to the wayside. But we have an altar, whether you kneel in this wooden altar or you kneel in the front here. We've got space here and we make time for you to come and you to meet with God because when we preach the Word, we want you to come and apply it or put it into application in your life. And you can't do that if we don't give you an opportunity to at the end of the service. Because the greatest moment of reflection is going to be the moment at the end of that service. Amen? That's when you're going to remember the most, when God is dealing with you the most. And uh, He can do a great work in you that will affect you. It makes an impact upon you. In fact, as we were preaching on Thursday about grace and everything that we receive from God is a grace to us, especially the altar. The altar has a far-reaching precedent. It uh, precedes and, and, and it's preceding every generation in Christianity. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Amen. All the way through the Old Testament, you see an altar. Adam knew about the altar because God uh, shed some animal and gave them skins to cover themselves whenever they were trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. They couldn't. They had disobeyed God, Adam and Eve, in the Garden. And, uh, and, and tried to cover themselves. But we can't cover ourselves. We need a sacrifice. Amen. We've sinned. We need somebody to be our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And from the very beginning, we see the precedent of an altar. God had to have provided that for them in slaying an animal and giving them skins or coats of skin. And you see that even with the Scripture in Hebrews, chapter 11, 4. It says, By faith, Abel, which was the son of Adam and Eve, offered a more excellent sacrifice through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God tested of his gifts. Noah in the Old Testament built an altar, Genesis 8, verse 20. Uh, burnt offerings of every clean animal he placed upon that altar. So he was a man of an altar. Abraham, the great patriarch and prognitor of the, of the faith and the covenants of God, built an altar in Shechem as God re rehearsed the promise to him, to your descendants I will give this land. Also in Genesis 13.1 and Genesis 12.7, you see that in the scripture. Abraham built an altar. 
We know Jesus created altars everywhere. Everywhere He went, He taught the disciples to pray. Takes an altar, whether it's a physical one or just kneeling and making an altar. He taught the disciples to pray. He prayed during the temptation in the wilderness. He made an altar. He, He prayed on the Mount of Transfiguration. That was an altar. He prayed for the sick and the dead that they would be recovered. That was an altar. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before He went to the cross. And He also cried on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we know that the altar is a central thread and theme through the Old Testament to the New Testament, and it hasn't changed. It's still the same. He's still the same. We still have an altar. And that ought to make you shout this morning because I'm getting ready to tell you how that you can meet God at an altar. The New Testament church as well created altars in homes, in prison cells, in courtrooms, in public and private places. The Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he created an altar. God used him. He turned whipping posts into pulpits. Amen. He, he was chosen by God, but he made an altar everywhere he was. And he began to bring the presence of God or the atmosphere of the presence of God where he was. So the altar is a spiritual grace with grace historical precedent. Amen. It goes far reaching back to the Old Testament. And it is our grace from God for our connection with Him, our communication with Him, our identification with Him, and our revelation from Him. Everything that we receive from God comes at an altar. Amen. It comes from meeting Him at an altar this morning. And so I just want to preach to you a little bit here about the grace of an altar. You have no idea how important it is and what a blessing it is to have an altar, to know about an altar, to have had a preacher that taught you how to get a hold of God at an altar. When your marriage is in a bucket, God knows how to bring victory in an altar. When your children are backslid and out there in the world on drugs, God knows how to meet you in an altar and give you a hope. It's going to be alright. When everything's falling apart, we have an altar when you have no peace you have an altar God will give you a peace we have an altar and it's a grace from God (laughs) hallelujah just like the understanding that we can pray is a grace this Bible's a grace amen there's graces sitting all around this place that God has put in your life we have an altar and it's our grace from God that brings us into connection communication identification and revelation from God amen you go to church and you feel God's spirit in his presence somebody spent time in an altar. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And it cannot be neglected, church. The altar cannot be neglected. It is the 
energy or it is the strength and the origin of your spiritual life and my spiritual life. That's why it cannot be neglected. It cannot be irreverenced as it was with King Saul. He just went through the motions. Let me just go through the motions and do this. Come on. Sing the song. Say the prayer. Take up the offering. Preach for a little bit, preacher, so I can get out of here. No. You don't understand. The altar is there so we can meet with God. It's not a religious observance or ceremony we go through. Let's get it done. No. It, we come to meet with God because that's where the answer is going to come. That's where the release of the power is going to come. Amen. My God in heaven. So, it cannot be irreverenced. It cannot be neglected. It cannot be profaned like it was with Aaron's sons in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus where they Nadab and Abihu began to offer strange fire. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, number one, the Bible's very clear that it alluded to they, they were drinking and they shouldn't have been touching the things of God, inebriated, amen. And none of us should be, amen. It's just, you just ought to stay and run away from that alcohol. You know, run as far as you can away from it. It's not wise, the Bible says. You know, strong drink is raging. Uh, what's the rest of it? Amen. He whosoever is deceived thereby is not, not wise. Amen. Come on. But it's very important that we understand they offered strange fire. See, when God began to answer at that altar, He answered by fire. They took that fire that God provided and they put it under that altar to burn that sacrifice. Well, they apparently let that fire go out or they went and lit their own fire. You can't light your own fire. You have to have the fire of the Holy Ghost. And so they begin under their drunken stupor begin to light that fire and God struck them dead right there in the Old Testament. So you cannot profane the altar. You cannot neglect the altar. You can't irreverence the altar. It must be something that is reverenced. It is sacred. Do you understand? That altar is important. That's why I don't ever want to interrupt anybody that's praying. Do you ever pray and you're seeking God and somebody bursts through with such irreverence and you're like, my goodness, I was right there. And you came in and interrupted my time with the Lord. Amen. Amen. The altar has its practical purpose. Oh, you're going to love this this morning. I don't know if you love it yet, but you're going to love it. The altar has its practical purpose. In the tabernacle, let me give you a little history here. In the tabernacle, there was the first altar, which was the altar of sacrifice. This is where the animal was sacrificed, a lamb, etc. And there's no access into the next place except for the blood. Clearly. You know, there had to be a sacrifice. God set it up that way. Why did He have the, the Hebrews and the Jews sacrifice a lamb? It all pointed to Jesus. I've said this week after week after week, but there may be somebody here today that has never heard this. When John the Baptist was preaching, repent at the River Jordan, he saw Jesus walking down the road, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The only one, amen, that could die for us is Jesus the perfect spotless lamb it all points from Old Testament to the New Testament Jesus is, was and is that spotless lamb but there was that first order of sacrifice and they burnt that lamb at the court 
the court, uh, the courtyard rather, and then there's another level and another level. But they started at the courtyard, and it first had to start with the altar of sacrifice. There is no access to God but by the blood. The blood that Jesus shed is your and mine access to God. Amen. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission of sins. That's why we must come through Jesus Christ. Amen. Mohammed's not the way. Harry Krishna's not the way. Sung Mung Ung is not the way. Amen. Mary's not even the way. Even though she was highly favored by God, picked by God, and I don't diminish her office in the Bible, but we must go through Jesus. Amen. He's the Savior of the world. But Jesus became our sacrifice and we are to follow His lead and surrender ourselves to God on the altar. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.3 Let us go unto Him outside the gate bearing His reproach. And we all know the Scripture in Romans chapter 12 verses 1. I want to read it to you this morning again though because it's very good to read and remember. He said, I beseech you, Paul, Paul did. You, and he's talking to you and me today, by the mercies. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith and I'll just add the measure of grace too because it's in the word of God as I read that I thought Lord you instruct us all flesh dies at that altar of surrender that lamb had to be surrendered Surrendered. Jesus was surrendered. You and I are not to die for our sins as a punishment or a penalty or a sacrifice, but we are to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to live in a life of sin, but I'm going to live for God pure and righteous and holy. Amen, amen, amen. He said, present your body a living sacrifice. When I got saved, I went home and the first thing God said to me is get rid of all your junk. Amen. Get rid of your dirty magazines. Get rid of your smokes. Get rid of all the things that are causing you to sin against God. Yeah, I'm that kind of a preacher this morning. We got to live a separated life. A surrendered life. And before you'll ever come any further, you've got to come through the blood. And present that body a living sacrifice. You mean I'm supposed to die? No, he said living sacrifice. You're alive, but you're dead to yourself. Amen. 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 What does that mean to me, Pastor? Well, brothers, let me just tell you. Amen. Whether you're married or not. But if you're married, amen. God gave you one woman. You hear me? He gave you one woman. 
So that means whenever some pretty thing walks across that path in front of you, God said, keep your eyes straight ahead. Amen. Keep your eyes right ahead. Amen. You're not supposed to be looking at her and dressing her and acting like you wish you could be with her. You're caving into lust. But when you don't, you die to yourself. You say, I'm not going to look that way or that way. I'm going to look straight ahead. Or if my honey is sitting next to me, I'm going to turn over and look at her. Amen. I'm not going to disrespect you by looking at somebody else. Come on now. Hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, there's so much more. But I'm so thankful this morning. Amen. I got saved. I come home. And he said, present that body a living sacrifice. There was all kinds of things that God began to deal with in my life. And I said, Lord, I'll throw it to the side. Throw it to the side. Amen. He cleaned up my mouth. Amen. I'd cuss you a blue streak and you probably would too. And you say, well, every once in a while, you know, I let her go. Well, you need to bring it back in. Amen. You need to let God get a hold of your mouth. That's why he wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost so he can possess your tongue. I had a man that stole from me one time a paycheck. Amen. He bounced two, two of my paychecks. Oh, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And I said, I'm going to call him and I'm going to give him the what for. Amen. Doesn't he realize that he may have hundreds of thousands of dollars? Apparently not. He, his check bounced. But here I am and I'm starving. I'm not starving, but I was hungry. Amen. <laughs> and I didn't have any money in my account. He just bounced about $1,000 worth of paycheck. And I picked up the phone. I remember his name. And I said, I've got something to say to you. But you know, I prayed a prayer. I forgot. And I said, Lord, please shut my mouth when you need to shut my mouth. Amen. Shut my mouth. Don't let me bring a reproach to you or a lesser of an example of godliness in Christ Jesus. And so I said, I've got something to say to you. And just like that, I went, I'm telling you the truth. He said, it's okay. You don't have to explain anything. I thought, well, I couldn't even if I wanted to. My whole tongue has been tangled up. After 15 or 20 seconds of trying to talk, and I, you know, I, I said, oh, never mind. When you get my check, could you please make it good? God said, you asked me to shut your mouth when you needed to be quiet. God answers prayer. Some people say, he didn't give me my new car. You didn't need a new car. You needed to shut your mouth. I'm telling you, amen. I just get upset and just whew, praise the Lord. God said, I'll help you. <laughs> That's grace. <laughs> Sometimes you say things and you say, I wish I could take it back, and you can't take it back. You can't unscramble scrambled eggs. It's already out there. And you squirted all that toothpaste out of that toothpaste tube, and there ain't no bringing it back in. You ever try to put toothpaste back in a toothpaste bottle? It don't work. You can try. But you'll have it all over your hands and everything else. Once it's out, it's out. Ask God, cover my mouth. Well, that was just a bunny trail. I don't know, how, but God had me go down that direction. 
But listen, he said that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. All flesh died at that sacrifice. Amen. That's, that, that first altar, amen, was the altar of sacrifice. And all flesh died there. Listen, the next altar was the altar of incense. It was located in the inner court of the tabernacle. It was the altar of incense lit two times a day to cover the stench of the sacrifice that burned. It is an altar of worship. It is the sweet-smelling savor of incense of worship that comes from a worshiper who came through the blood. God's not wanting or asking you to go down to the health food store and light a candle or something that will change the aroma in your house. If you want to do that, that's fine. The incense he's talking about is whenever you come down here like Roger did today and you're offering up the worship and the praise or where you were standing, offering that up to God truly from your heart. That was a sweet-smelling savor that come. If you come through the blood, you've already went through the first section, the courtyard. Now you're at this place of worship. As I've preached for years, you cannot worship God until you've been born again. Not really truly worship Him in spirit and in truth. But once you've been born of God, whoo, amen. I mean, whenever I, before I got saved... I sat there in the church. I'd see them people up there and they're shouting and they're dancing and they're praising God, you know. And I said, I'll never do that. Ever, 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 ever. Oh, no, I'll never make a fool out of myself like that. Well, then I went through the blood. Amen. And guess who's up there shouting and cutting a rug? Somebody that did not ever do that ever, ever, ever. In fact, one time I went to a youth rally, and I've shared this story, but it bears repeating. And I was in there, and there was about 300 youth there. And, and, and the, the pastor got up there. He preached a tremendous word. He said, if anybody wants a touch from God, if you want to receive from, something from God, well, I didn't care. I'd just been born again. God just brought me out of deep depravity and a deep pit. And I went up there to the front, and I just stood up there in the front. You know, no shame in this game. Amen. I just come to worship. Of God, I thought everybody was behind me. I got my hands in the air, and that pastor came down, just touched me on the head. And when by the time I came to myself and realized what was happening, I'm up there and I'm dancing and I'm shouting and I'm praising God. And I just kind of looked around. And I thought, what in the world am I doing? And I stopped and I said, Praise the Lord. God said, I'll make you dance. You used to dance for the devil, now you're going to dance for me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You used to meet Papamatic, now you're praisematic. Come on, some of you folks, you lived in the 80s, you wore parachute pants. I understand it all. Don't even act all holier than thou, Phil. Come on now, brother. Amen. You had your cardboard, you were ready. Amen. Some of these millennials are going, hmm? what's an eight track? Don't even. I'm just. I shouted and praised, worship God. Because I came from that place of the blood into the place of holy worship unto God. 
That's the only time you're really going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I've seen people say, I'll never, I'll never do that. I said, you get right with God, you will. Amen. Amen. There's some of you when you came in, especially the men, they came in. They're just kind of shuffled over here in the corner, you know. Amen. Ain't going to raise my hands, but I'll show up. Amen. They went from putting their hand on the seat to putting their hand here. They got right with God, and then their hands are in the air. And the next thing you know, we're at camp, and they're running around the building. If you'd have been where they had been, you'd be running too. Amen. Come on now, I'm moving along here. Hallelujah. So the altar of sacrifice, then the altar of incense. It is the sweet-smelling savor of the incense of worship that comes from a worshiper who came through the blood. It's not about music or even singing, even though that goes with it. I've seen people that did not worship, but they were singing. They did not worship, but they were playing. There's a huge difference whenever you really, truly, not doing it just because you're in front of a crowd, but because you love God and you're using those talents for the kingdom of God. It is adoration and praise that stems from or through the means or mode of of a thing called music and praise or worship and singing. So the third altar... We've already given you two was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Discovery was made by the high priest at that sacrificial altar or at that altar of the people and whether or not they had been accepted. That was the reason for the high priest going into that third altar, the Holy of Holies. Not just everybody can go there uh, at that time. Now we have access into the Holy of Holies. Jesus has already covered the blood thing for us. You understand that sacrifice. We must come and worship Him. That's what the Scripture says in Hebrews. I want to read it to you because it's right there where we were at this morning in Hebrews chapter 13 down past where we talked about Let me get there. Hold on here. He said in chapter 13, he said, but but by him, therefore, verse 15, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we see the altar of sacrifice, the altar of incense, which was a a sweet-smelling savor to cover up, amen, the stench of that sacrifice. I can't explain to you how we can sing about an old rugged cross and cry and weep and praise God, but God uses that sweet-smelling savor, amen, to bring beauty out of something that was so horrific. The third altar is the Holy of Holies. Discovery is made by the high priest if those previous sacrifices have been accepted. Well, we know Jesus' was accepted. So we're accepted in Him. But we must come in faith. This is the altar, though, that I want to talk to you for a little bit here about. It's the altar where we wait for His Word to come to us. It's where we present ourselves and we wait for His Word to come to us. Did you hear me? A lot of people that come and worship, but they don't wait. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. If we wait upon Him. It's the altar. It's a grace. A grace that always responds. And this is really where I desire to go this morning with this message. We see the steps of approach 
the sacrifice of ourselves, praise and adoration and worship. But then we must wait for God to speak to us. This is for sure God's word for today. Buckle your seatbelt, church. Camp of 2022 was a glorious outpouring. Can you say amen? Okay. But it was also an introduction to teach many people sitting in this room about waiting at an altar for God's word. It was a first time outpouring for some people sitting in here. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost whenever I was 17. I've been walking, praying in the Spirit. I've learned about prayer and worship my whole 32, almost 32 years of being a Christian. And all I can tell you is this, that there were people that encountered God in, that, in, a, in, a, in a dynamic, eternal, amazing, awesome way like never before. Right? I know Kevin did. I know Francis did. I know Dina did. Amen. There are people sitting in this room. I know that Gabby's girls did. Many sitting in this room. God touched you. Jackie and Roger did. Different ones did. And I may not have named you, but you know whether you did or not. God touched you in a powerful and an awesome, mighty way. First time discovery of something like that in your life. And you're just, your whole life has been changed. And with some, this has been, since that time, neglected. And if you, from the time you come down from that mountain, have not neglected the altar or had a moment that you could look back and say, you know what, Lord, I just didn't give you the time today. I didn't invest the time. I let my flesh or I let myself or whatever get in the way. And if you are absolutely where you were that day when you came down that mountain, then you come grab the mic. I want to hear you. I'm going to tell you right now, I know the enemy. I know how he tries to rob us of our greatest experiences in God. And dampen that fire of the Holy Spirit. So we got to know this today. That the altar can be neglected. But at that altar of waiting for God. And that greatest experience. Is the revelation of God. Insight of God. The peace of God. The hope of God. The satisfactory understanding of God. Amen. Or of spiritual realities. It's discovered there and it begins there. And it has changed your life forever. Church, don't let it be only a meaning. Or a memory, rather, is what I meant to say. Don't let it only become a memory to you or something that you look back. We need landmarks in our life as points of reference. But don't let that just be a memory to you. But let it be something that drives you or leads you into a greater place. There is no greater understanding of God's grace for an altar like there is in Zechariah. And God led me there last night. And I didn't understand it till early this morning. But early this morning, He began to speak to me out of Zechariah chapter 4. And I want to read verses 1 through 10, and then I'm going to expound here for just a short little bit here more. And then we're going to pray. But in Zechariah 4, the Bible says, and mind you, this is the prophet 
that was speaking to Zerubbabel in the midst of a rebuilding of Jerusalem. Remember, they were the greatest kingdom at one time under David and King Solomon. And then because of sin and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, post-kings after Solomon, they were flung into captivity. They were besieged. The, 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 the temple was, was brought to the dirt, brought to the ground. It was destroyed. The nation was destroyed and taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. That's where we get the story of the three Hebrews standing before the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den and all of those things. And so, but in the midst of God restoring them after 70 years, because Jeremiah said 70 years they'll be in captivity and then to the day God released them and they begin to go back into Jerusalem, God began to build through Ezra, through Nehemiah, through Zerubbabel, through many at that time. He used them, and men we don't even see recorded in the scripture, but these were highlighted, these men. And Zerubbabel is in the midst of this restoration for 16 years, and he's dealing, or he he was in the midst of the restoration, and it came to a halt. And, and, and it was a 16 year waiting period before it began to pick up again. And the reason that I said that to you this morning and sharing this scripture is because God began to give Zechariah the prophet a, a vision or show him something about Zerubbabel and the altar. And he said, don't judge things by what you see on the outside. Because you don't know what's going on in the spiritual dimension. You see your loved one and they're lost without God, but you don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. You don't know what's taking place in an altar. You only see one side of that mirror. You hear me? You ever been on those double-sided mirrors? You can only see what's ahead of you, but on the other side, they can see and know everything. So people are praying and seeking God. And there's a dimension of the Spirit God is working, and I'm going to prove it to you. In Zechariah 4, the Bible says, And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is awakened out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. Two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. And so I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? There are times we go to prayer and we're seeking God for an answer. And the question comes, What is it, God? Where do I go? What am I supposed to do? What is the answer? God always gives it at the altar. And he said, I want you to see something, Zechariah. He said, then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest not thou what these be? And I said, no, my Lord. Humility is very important if you want to hear from God. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. In other words, this is what I spoke in Zerubbabel's heart that came from a time of encounter with me. And he said, let me explain to you what's going on. Saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, 
And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, the temple. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet or the rock or the stone in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. In other words, what he was saying is, Zerubbabel started that work. I called him to that. I put it in his heart to do it. He's been doing it. The devil tried to stop it. But guess what? I'm going to use Zerubbabel to finish it. And they don't see what God is doing, but the Holy Ghost is behind everything that I'm doing and empowering what I'm doing. And he goes, when he takes that last stone and he places it there and it plummets there, it's, it lands there, it's that, that, that final stone that is, of course, the, 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 the leveling foundation or the, the place of where God establishes what is right, what is finished, what is complete. He said, they're all going to know it. Amen. You hear me. Now, all of this is a vision of the throne of God or the, the spiritual realm where God is moving. Amen. There's transactions going on in the spiritual realm. People are praying. God's dispatching angels to move and operate. Amen. It's real. You don't believe it. It's real. Amen. It's real. I was reading this. And God said, I want you to share this with the church. Because they need to understand some things. Here we see the revelation at the altar. The candlestick represents the life of God, His church, His life, His light. Did He not say in the book of, of, of Revelation, the church of Ephesus, He said, repent or I'll remove that candlestick. That is what validates and is a witness that God's presence or that God is in the midst of you and it's his church, the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't go to a church where the Holy Spirit wasn't flowing and moving. I would saturate that place with absence so quick because his church is a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Amen. Where people can be saved, people can be filled, people can be delivered, people can be healed. Where people can be refreshed and built up and encouraged and touched. You know, a lot of times people don't want to come back here because they don't want to be touched by the Holy Spirit. It's too real. I've had people say, it's too real. You guys are way too deep for me. I don't want to be there. I said, I'd rather have the real than to play around with religion because one day we're going to stand before God and it's going to matter that you got the real. Amen. It doesn't matter that you got the real. You're not going to be able to fake it when you get before God. And He ain't going to care how many times you went to church or how much money you gave or anything else or how many crosses you had hanging around your neck. He's not going to care about that. Amen. Are you hearing me? He's not going to care about that. What's going to matter is what you had down deep in your heart. Amen. It ain't going to matter how big a Bible you brought to church. Come on now. Amen. 
or what posts you put on Facebook or anything else. Even though we want to encourage people, but some people, they put posts on social media and then they show something, you know, scandalous that they're doing. And I'm like, my goodness, if you're going to do scandalous stuff, keep God out of it. Don't be a fake or a phony. The seven lamps are a type of the Holy Spirit. The oil is the type also. And here Zechariah gets a revelation that everything concerning the purpose of God is energized by the Holy Ghost. In verse 6 he says, This is what God spoke to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. In other words, the grace of the altar is that God meets you there and tells you it's not going to be by military might or by something you can do. It's not going to be by power, by finances, or anything else. But it's going to be by the power of my spirit, you understand. It's going to be an operation and a movement of the spirit of God. So if you want God to move in a situation with a person, with a co-worker, with a child, with somebody, a family member, or somebody on your job, or a situation that you need God to move in, it's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. When we were going to get that building up there, and by the way, we got it, I signed the lease three days ago. They just took down the sign. Somebody asked me, did you walk to church? I said, no, I parked in front of my new building. <laughs> amen. amen. You know, God's so good. Not only, amen, did, did we get the price of that. Because I laid before God. You laid before God. We prayed and I said, God, don't let her sleep. Amen, tell me $2 a square foot. I said, don't she know the economy we're in right now? I'll tell you, in six months, you'll be asking me for 50 cents. But she come back the next day, arguing with me on the phone the next day. $1.20. I thought, am I talking to the same person? God said, shut up. Don't you see that in the middle of the night... I did something unbelievable and I touched her heart and she came back and she fell on her own sword. Not only did she fall on her own sword, we don't have a payment till August 1st and she said you can have the keys in June. So that means we got two months. Free 99. Did you hear me? Free 99. Two months. I said glory to God. Got a building for two months for free. Amen. That's a lot of money. I'm going, whoo, whoo, that's a lot of money. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. That gives me some time to preach on giving. Amen. Because we got, we got several months. Y'all are going to have to pony up to the table and help pastor. Because you see, I'm gray over here and gray over here. I color this a little bit. You know, take a little off the edge. But listen to me. Amen. But I don't want to be white-headed. Come on now. Would you give to the things of God? So pastor can sleep at night. But God, in the middle of the night, changed that. 
He said, at an altar, I was doing something you didn't even realize. You were in some ways thinking about, well, how's this going to happen? He said, I was already at work. And the next day, it all happened so quick. He's an on-time God. He works fast. But listen, oh, there's a little bit more here. Stay here with me. <laughs> he said, this is what God spoke to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. This mountain will be moved out of the way. But do you see, Zechariah? What I spoke to Zerubbabel was something he was praying for at an altar, and I brought it to pass. Amen. He was the one who began the rebuilding after 70 years, Zerubbabel was. He started with an altar. All you got to do is read Ezra 3. Don't do it now, but you can read Ezra 3 on your own time. He started with an altar, then a foundation and worship, so much that the youth and the ancients, the young people and the old people, were in the church, and the older folks were weeping and crying, and the younger folks were shouting and praising God. They had never seen what the older folks had seen. You know, sometimes you say, why are they crying? They're blessed. They're blessed to see what they saw years ago happening in you. Man. What particular graces do we see here in this text? Stay here with me. Number one, God was showing Zechariah, Zerubbabel is watching at that altar. Restoration come to pass. The restoring of the kingdom of God there in Jerusalem and Israel. The restoration of praise. The restoration of purpose. The restoration of God, or the purpose of God and His power. There was a halting of the work of God or rebuilding. Because Satan always works to stop and halt the work of God. Always. Amen. Always. And he always uses, and buckle your seatbelt, church, because I'm going to say something. He always uses, and people, even in the midst of us, he uses, and you all are included in this. There's nobody exempt. Every one of us. He tries to come in every one of us to bring disunity, whether it's in the church or the family or with your children or with your spouse or with a co-worker or with some other leader in the church. He's always trying some way, somehow to bring division. And we have to be a step ahead of the enemy and know this is his tactic. And you know what? Rather than harbor bitterness or, or, or frustration or anger towards somebody in the church, I'm going to see what's really behind it and it's the enemy not the person it's not them it's the devil behind it and so just look at them and pray for them and say God change them touch them give them your grace let a move of God come and let there be healing I don't want to be a person that's given or a product or I shouldn't say a product but, but given to division I want to pray and keep my heart right the devil wants to destroy Destroy, and that's how he does it through division. We have got to church. This is not a preaching to you or preaching to you saying, I'm talking. No, God's saying to every one of us, step back and say, This is what the enemy's doing. And you know what? I ain't gonna let him do it. I ain't gonna let him do it. 
Because the first thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to let me and you have anything between us. You understand? It ain't going to happen. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God bless you. I'm going to pray that God would minister to you. I'm going to pray because I want unity. And where there's unity, there's a commandment of the blessing of God. A house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. But a church that prays together stays together. If you and mama pray, God will bless that home. Say, my kids are lost without God. Grab hands with that wife and begin to pray. Say, God, bring them home. There's power in couples in unity. Prayers aren't hindered. You hear me? My God. So the first thing was restoration. We see the enemy always works to bring division. At the altar, we see where revelation of God's powerful hand is moving by His Spirit. No mountain of obstruction will prevail. None. None. I've prayed for unity and God said, listen, that's what He showed me. He taught me. I prayed God for unity and God said, Do you, that's why you got to be in that altar because that's where the oil, the olive oil of the anointing is flowing. And what's significant about oil? Well, it lubricates the friction to bring a releasing. Amen. Let me, you, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. Let me. Some of you are shaking your head, but let me tell you something. The oil of the Holy Ghost that comes to us when we come up from that altar and we've really met with God. You ever went down, you were mad at somebody, and you just began to pray for them and begin to pray about a situation. You come up, and you had a whole different feeling towards them. You say, I don't feel that way. Then get back down there. Amen. My fur is still sticking up in the back. Turn that cat around. God will lay it down. Just... Get in that altar and He'll change how you feel. He alters your attitude. He alters your feelings. Amen. There were people I was so angry at, I wanted to put my foot in the rear end. And I got in the altar and God began to put such a love in my heart. I mean a real true love for them. Not a fake thing, not a mechanical thing, but I mean almost where I was crying. I was like, Lord, I love them. And he said, I did that there. See, what happened is where there was friction, I added some oil as you were there at the throne of God and in the altar, and it began to be lubricated and it broke. Amen? That stiffness, that hardness broke. Let me share something with you. Amen, amen, amen. We're always looking at the bolt and the nut. This is this is PJ's. Kyle's 101. Amen. You're looking at the bolt and the nut and you're trying to break that thing. God has to add a little WD-40. Amen. To that. But a lot of times we're always thinking the other person. No. The God breaks the least of resistance. Are you hearing me? Where there's resistance. The nut is the one that gets broken. So let God break you, you nut. I've worked on cars before. You've got bolts that are sticking straight out. Amen. Threads sticking straight out of that engine. 
They're not going anywhere. What, the one you got to break is that nut. And you got everything on it. And, and I'm going to tell you what's difficult. What's a challenge to do? If you'll just get along with God, He'll apply some oil on that life and He'll break the one that's willing to be broken. Amen. Oh. Don't you just love God's revelation? That's just simple mechanics. Amen. That'll preach. At WD-40, he begins to lubricate the friction and breaks through the difficulty. And it applies to the moving part. Oh, my. Don't worry about the bolt that's stationary. It's the nut he's trying to break loose. And Jesus, let that oil lubricate and remove the friction. You be loosed and free whether the other person is or not. You, you know, don't ever forget this. When you stand before God, and I said it week after week after week after week, it is not going to matter what anybody else or was. It's me and God. At the end of the day, it's me and him. And I can tell you, he can give you a love and a grace for people that hate you. And he will, he will, he'll put that down deep within you. And you know what's so awesome? The Bible says that when our ways please the Lord, he makes even our enemies be at peace with us. He makes even our enemies be at peace with us. Amen. So I'm like, Lord, what am I doing that's not pleasing to you? Where is there an area here? Please deal with my heart. Because I want at that altar you to do something profound in my life. Something glorious in my life. Changing me. I was always trying to change Angela. And God said, I'm trying to change you, buddy. <laughs> Amen. Let me work on her. You're not the Holy Ghost. Let me work on her. Amen. Let me deal with her. You need to listen to what I'm saying to you. Amen. Hallelujah. But Lord, I've come and she's come. And you don't feel like you're loved back. He said, just keep loving. Amen. Just keep loving. Just keep loving. Just keep loving. Don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of small beginnings don't despise the day that you decided you know what oh my god I'm going to try I'm going to love even if they don't love me back I'm going to love I'm going to love I'm going to love and eventually I promise you God's going to turn things around <laughs> my god there is a breakthrough at that altar, a breakthrough of frustrations. 16 years, the work halted. Pastor, I've been praying for this for five years. They ain't never going to change. You don't know what God's doing. Amen. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. It may not be like Solomon's temple. That's what they were thinking. This ain't like Solomon's temple. It's not as beautiful as it was at one time. God said, that was a place of reference. 
Did you hear me? A point of reference. Camp was a point of reference. The most beautiful time in my life. But then you come down that hill and you're here in the now and now. This ain't camp. There ain't worship. There ain't this. But God said, go alone in that prayer room and I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. Do not define your whole experience by one time God met with you. Yeah, he'll meet with you again. It'd be beautiful. But we're here and there are times of refreshings and outpourings. But then there's everyday life. God just wants us to be faithful and just serve him and serve him and serve him and serve him. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, of small things, the little things you see. The little changes. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, always look at the little changes you see in people. Maybe they said hi to me this week. God's changing them. Maybe they did this. Maybe they did that. Maybe this situation at work is changing. I'm watching God change things. Amen. He's a moving God. And, you know, don't despise what you see and the only thing you have. You know, the woman that had her boys in the, in the Bible were about ready to get sold because of the debt her husband and her owed because her husband died. She said, I have nothing. The prophet said, what do you got in your house? She said, I got a little old bottle of oil. He said, go borrow vessels and not a few. What little bit you have is enough. And he said, start pouring in those containers. Borrow every vessel. You're, send your boys out and borrow every vessel you can. He set them in there and he just kept pouring. It never stopped. It's like that scoop of meal. God is saying unto you and I today, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of little things that you see. Or little things that are at your disposal. You don't know what God is doing. You know, I was thinking this morning. I was sitting in my chair in my, my, my prayer room at home. <clears throat> praying for the service. And I was thinking about Thea Lizzie in the back and Peter. Years ago, when we started this church, they were there. They were there. And I remember what a blessing they were. Well, God took them a different direction, but he brought it full circle and brought them back here to new life. And I remember when Lizzie talked to me back there, it's been probably a couple years now. And she said, Pastor, this is our home. This is, we're here. We're not going anywhere. I said, praise God. And you know, God started with little beginnings, but he's brought us so far and he's doing such an awesome work in this church. And you know what, Lizzie, I was thinking about it, and, I, and the Lord just laid upon my heart. He said, I've got something for her to do in this church. I'm going to use her. I'm going to use her in this generation. She's not done yet. Amen. I've still got work for her to do. I've got work for her. There's something I'm going to do. You know, there's, there's, there's a history there. There's an experience there. And, and, and he said, 
there's elders in here, elders, not old people, but elders in here that I'm going to use in this final hour. You need somebody, amen, go see a Susan, go see a Lupe, go see a Bud, go see somebody in here, amen, a Peter, somebody in here that has walked with God, that has an experience in God, and, 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 and you know, there's people you can talk to, amen, there's folks you can speak to. Don't despise, though, the day of small beginnings where you're at God is going to bring things full circle and it's exactly what he did he said tell Zerubbabel even though he's frustrated it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord I'm going to finish what I started in his hands and he said people are going to marvel amen don't count anybody out because you don't know what God's going to do in their life. You have no idea. They, they discounted a lot of you sitting in here. They said, Lorenzo, ain't nothing ever going to become of him. I'm going to tell you, he loves God. Full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Danny, ain't nothing going to become of him. Oh, yeah. God's using him. Amen. There's many sitting in here. You, the enemy may have lied to you or people may have said things. Don't listen to them. You listen to what God says. I put that down deep within you. And the only way, I'm trying to close, the only way you ever come to the understanding of that is in this altar. God talks to you. He gives you that peace. You know what? I am going to heal your marriage. I am going to heal your body. I am. That's the seed of faith God gives you. That is a grace cannot, that cannot be neglected. It cannot be. You must understand that, how vitally important that altar is. And church, God said, I am going to meet my people in this final hour. And it ain't a prosperity gospel. It's not some other kind of a message or something. It, it is meeting with me and the people that are going to make a difference in this final hour are people that have been with me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Listen. Some may be frustrated that the camp experience hasn't been perpetually duplicated. It's okay. Don't be frustrated. Get back in the altar and meet with God. Amen. Amen. God gives grace for frustration. Hallelujah. He gives grace for frustration. I close with this. He said in verse 10, For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice. There's going to be a rejoicing. Amen. And, and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven, which is the type of the Holy Ghost. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. There is a blessing that's coming from that altar. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. You can't change either. And what, I'm, what I mean by that is you have to come and always make that altar a priority. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads in prayer?